X-rated movies. This is a movie podcast by two guys who used to date and now they no longer date. Now we talk about La Cinema. <laughs> That's right. That's uh, right, Matt. <laughs> Uh, so I noticed you got this new arrangement for uh, like hitting record on the podcast uh-huh. that does not involve you putting your butt in front of my face because I was pointing out the type of underwear that you were wearing yeah, partially. a couple of weeks in a row. I was like, I should be able to figure this out. <laughs> I got I to gotta figure out a way to, to not expose myself to Matt. It was also just awkward and more editing. This way I can just sit, be ready to start and just click and go. Oh, okay. Yeah. The old way was problematic, maybe. Mm, you could say that. You yeah. could say that. You could. Uh-huh. Put a pin in that. <laughs> uh, we're not doing a Sicario this week, Ryan, what? right? You chose it. You were happy about it. Then we hit stop on the podcast, and you went, uh, is this the right choice? See, yeah, I, I, I had a thing. Uh, this is the equivalent of, like, eating out at a restaurant and then ordering and then immediately standing up and running to go grab the waiter and be like, I don't want that anymore. I changed my mind. Cause that's what I did. I, I said, it was like, Oh, you know, when I go to a restaurant, I'll just have two things in my head and whatever p- comes out of my mouth. And like, as soon as I said it, I was like, I don't want this. <laughs> this isn't what I want to watch. And I thought about just like barreling through and being like, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. But yeah, I don't know. Like a couple days after saying that and just seeing it on the horizon and not the like the car is a bad movie. I think it's a great movie. It's like sex with not enough lube. It's like, hmm, I'd rather not. Yeah, I just wasn't. wasn't Or or when nature's calling, perhaps. It's like, yeah, this should be good, but not feeling it. I wasn't feeling it. And so I just uh, I texted you and said, do you mind if we do uh, my other choice instead? And uh, you said, sure, that's fine. And you know what? This is our podcast. We can do whatever the fuck we want. And so I'm changing it. I changed my decision. I didn't want to I don't want to do Sicario. So we're doing repulsion. You just couldn't resist. You watch that Woody Allen documentary, and you're like, we haven't done a problematic director in a while. <laughs> yeah. Let's dip our toes in, in fact, that one. we've never done this problematic director, so uh, let's knock one off. You know, honestly, this was not the Polanski that I thought would, uh, 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 ooh, I was going to say, like, pop our pop cherry. Pop our cherry. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Pop um, our subtle 13-year-old, uh supple don't describe it like that (laughs) just to rub our face in no i always figured you pick ghost rider um oh yeah no that's a good movie too yeah uh for some reason i just i figured that'd be the one that you you'd go for but uh you know honestly like i like sicario but watching repulsion last night i was like i think this is the better choice for the podcast like i think this is more on brand for us yeah um, We're kind of skipping over opening banter, I think, this time because we've got to deal with a lot. Yeah. A, if you're not into hearing us potentially speak nice of one Roman Polanski, this might be the episode for you. Yeah. Like, uh, it's not everyone's cup of tea to hear two white guys talk about a rapist in a uh, glowing manner, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. We're not going to be praising his rape by any means, but... <laughs> talking about what a talented director he is, maybe people don't want to hear that. Yeah. After watching the Woody Allen documentary, one of the things I realized is that I think we tend to like boil things down to like, okay, this person did something gross and bad, and it's just easier to say no more, like just cut it all off and like cancel culture. But I think when it comes... To certain things, yeah, let's do it. But like when it comes to art and movies, 
I feel like there's room for nuance. Like I, I think of like Looney Tunes or like the old Disney cartoons and stuff like that had like racist elements to it. Mm-hmm. They still show them, but now they come with a disclaimer saying these were made at a time when this was okay. Da, 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 da. We you, hope like we can learn from these things. Because like on Disney Plus, if you watch like Lady and the Tramp or something, doesn't it have like a disclaimer? Yeah, that... and I think that like something along those lines can happen here too. They mentioned this in the Woody Allen documentary and it really made me think and I wish they would have spent more time on it. It's like this question is a lot easier to answer when money isn't involved and the person's dead. Like Wagner's not getting any money from when we perform his operas, Mm. but like Woody Allen still gets money from making movies. Mm -hmm. So that is a tougher question to answer, but I think there's more nuance to it and I think that we should be able to recognize the fact that Roman Polanski raped a teenage girl, but also <laughs> makes uh, incredible films. I listened to a long interview with uh, Samantha, I think it's pronounced Geimer, the 13-year-old in question. Okay. And it's hard to sum up because her take is very nuanced about it, but she doesn't view the incident itself as this, like, damaging life altering ruining innocence taking events Mm -hmm. like she says that it was bad and that it shouldn't happen and that roman polanski like really should have used better judgment but she said like the media frenzy that came afterwards was so much more traumatic to her than the event itself Mm -hmm. and like she's even on somewhat friendly terms with roman polanski now because she says, like, every decade there's a new set of values that, that rears its head over the incident, and I get dragged into, like, another, like, public media frenzy. This was on Amanda Knox's podcast, by the way. This, oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah, I love that. Foxy Noxy interviewing uh, Samantha Geimer. Uh, Probably should have led with that. <laughs> but, yeah, Amanda Knox has this podcast just talking about, like, events that define people's lives against their will sort of yeah and, and probably deals a lot with how the media deals with stuff exactly exactly mm-hmm. and so uh samantha talks about how the media and the like the california legal system was only r- really interested in listening to her side of the story if she played the victim card mm. but if she played like this was a mistake i shouldn't have been there card they didn't care what she had to say. It didn't fit their narrative. It didn't fit their narrative of like, he's a monster and she's an innocent. Mm -hmm. And so like when she, I think it was like 10 years ago, she was like, I'm going to write a memoir that like details everything because I'm tired of retelling this story. And like, she reached out to Roman Polanski and was like, Hey shithead, this is the story I'm telling. And like Roman Polanski had already like apologized to her because she sued him or the family did in civil court and they got a settlement out of it. And, like, he apologized, and she feels that his apology was sincere and that he actually feels bad about it. So, mm-hmm. but, yeah, she, she was just like, all right, shitbag. Like, I'm <laughs> writing this memoir. This is what I'm putting in. She, and he's like, yeah, you have every right to, like, say your side of the story. And she's like, okay, I'm not holding back. And he's like, yeah, you, you say whatever you, you, you feel that you need to say. And she sent him, like, the manuscript beforehand, and he's like, this is also aligns with what I believe to be true. And so it's like she's got a whole memoir that details the the events of it, and she feels that like really the trauma came in the aftermath that the act itself 
while bad and should not have happened and she shouldn't have been there and that Roman Polanski shouldn't have done that and she fully calls it rape that yeah like having to like go up in court and like describe the feeling of like semen coming out of her asshole was so much worse than the the actual act of like being sodomized yeah and she's just like that was horrible it was humiliating like the press wouldn't leave me alone that was so much more traumatic the event itself i would not have considered to be a defining moment in my life but the aftermath really was yeah so it just this long interview with like her take on it and how yeah people were only interested when she made herself out to be the victim if she made herself out to be like a confident woman people stopped listening to her and yeah and that's a lot of nuance mm-hmm. it's real easy to get lost as soon as because i think that doesn't fit on a headline mm-hmm. like <laughs> like i'm i'm still worried that i'm like uh, uh boiling it down too much i i recommend everyone like go out and like listen to amanda knox's podcast labyrinths okay um Samantha Geimer. I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name right. It's like G-I-E-M-E-R. Okay. But yeah, she just talks about it and how even though like Romans apologized to her and she's accepted that apology and she's come to terms with like what's happened, nobody seems to care about that part of the story. Yeah. That that like reconciliation does not fit into their narrative of it and that pisses her off. Um. So not to I- be a rape apologist or rape defender over here, but... Well, it's, uh, I think it just proves the point that, like, sometimes these things aren't so cut and dry, you yeah. know? Like, I know in the eyes of the law, he committed this crime, and if he hadn't fled the country... Well, she didn't sue him in, like, civil court because she wanted to be friends with him. She was right. like, you broke the law, you did something that you should not have done, and I want restitution from it. But she's not, like, stop making movies forever. She, she doesn't think that does anyone any good. Well, and if he hadn't fled the country, like, he would have been criminally prosecuted. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure statute of limitations has run out, right? I don't think so. Oh, that stays standing, huh? No, because, yeah, she said that, uh, like, just as, like, recently as, like, 2018, a DA in California, like, brought the case up again. Oh, right. Was, like, trying to extradite Plansky from Switzerland in order to, yeah. like, have him, like, stand trial. And she's like, anytime a DA in California is trying to get their name out there... They always do this big grandstanding thing about me and Polanski. And she's like, that's part of the reason why I wrote the memoir. I was like, I wanted, like, the record to be clear on where I stand on the issue. And, like, I don't want him to, like, go to jail for this. Yeah. And, I mean, to be fair, she doesn't have a say. It's a criminal case. And that puts the onus of getting justice on the police force so they have to. But, like, you know, how many cases do they, like, turn a blind eye to? In, you know, other instances. Well, I mean, you so, were talking about the Woody Allen thing. And oh, my it's God. Like, you, it's not like every grandstanding DA in New York is bringing up, like, the Woody Allen thing again. Like, they can do it just for some reason. In the Roman Polanski thing, people see it as, like, a way to get notoriety. But for some reason in New York, they don't feel that way. Yeah. Well, they dropped the charges because they didn't want to put Dylan through that, through, like, a big public trial like that. So sounds like yeah charges were just dropped yeah and in in the samantha but case she should sue him <laughs> in in the samantha case it was like this was like one of the first times that like the media had been like allowed into the courtroom the judge apparently loved doing 
big celebrity gossipy oh trials. God. It's like he oversaw Elvis Presley's divorce. He oversaw Marlon Brando's child custody battle. And so like when this came out, he was like, give it, give it me, 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 me. <laughs> and like, yeah, like it, it wasn't just that like press were allowed in, like he actively encouraged the press to come in. Oh my God. And so, yeah, it was just like this huge media circus. The proto Lance Ito. Yeah. Kind of yeah. like in a lot of ways. Yeah, so, and this is something I also took away from the Woody Allen documentary, is that we can talk about all these things, and it's good to talk about all these things and have this pretext, but then also we can, having addressed that, put it off to the side and talk about, like, the individual... craft as a filmmaker? Yeah, like, I think that's not being irresponsible to acknowledge that and then also talk about this thing like i don't think that the two are so interconnected that you can't talk about one without acknowledging the other yeah i don't know there's a lot of rape in roma polanski movies like almost all of them well there's rape in this one (laughs) yeah um (laughs) he does seem to have a fascination with it like uh, sure you know, Rosemary's Baby's got one. Part of Faye Dunaway's history in Chinatown is that she was raped. Um, uh, I don't know. It just seems like every single Roman Polanski movie has a rape in it. Yeah, and we can acknowledge that. <laughs> so, yeah, there is something that he he's somewhat fascinated by it. I mean, Roman Polanski is like a person, like... I know that they're going to be making a full-length movie about, like, the Tate murders. Mm-hmm. That's supposed to be directed by Ben Affleck. Oh. But it's like, you know, his mother was killed in the Holocaust. He was, like, homeless and had to survive in, like, the ghettos of Poland as a child. And then, like, he somehow, like, makes his way to America and becomes, like, Hollywood royalty. Like, yeah. he has, like, a true, like, rags-to-riches story. Then it's like... His model girlfriend, of course, was killed in, like, probably the most famous murder in, yeah. uh, like, 20th century history. And, like, all of so that. So he deserves to rape once in a while. <laughs> well, that's... He's earned it, is what you're saying. I gotcha. <laughs> that's kind of the way that uh, a lot of people were pushing the narrative, like, at the time of the trial. Oh, my God. They're like, his life has just been one defeat after another we can let this one go <laughs> oh my god yeah so that was super That's gross, gross. <laughs> yeah come on let him have one rape guys <laughs> yeah. he's had a hard life everyone gets a mulligan <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. yeah that's so that's funny but i mean it also like the manson murders like did kind of fuck him up because like they didn't know who did it at first uh-huh. and Rome got really paranoid and he started hearing rumors that it was like Warren Beatty did it and like our friends of his did it. So then like he didn't know who to trust for a while. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, it was just like he wasn't in a good spot for the number of years after those Tate murders. So yeah, just checkered past, we'll say. Yeah. Makes um, good movies though. Yeah. Boy, I, howdy, does he make good I, movies. I guess, yeah, my, my next thing was going to be like, if you didn't know all that... I think you could sit down and watch his movies and enjoy them. If you're able to sort of turn your brain off that like he did this terrible thing. Like, I don't know, like how many other movies do you watch that where you're just thinking about 
the director and their life while watching them. I mean, like, Woody Allen a little bit. Like, okay. it's hard to watch Manhattan. Well, these are so autobiographical that you're like, that's so gross. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's hard sometimes to separate, like, yeah, like, Manhattan's tough to watch these days. I don't know. I, I guess I'm just also, like, not so invested necessarily in the lives of the people that make the movies that I like. I mean, I learn about people once I like them, but, like, if they're good at their craft, like, that's not what's going through my head. Mm-hmm. I'm not thinking, like, oh, I wonder if this person was a Holocaust survivor. <laughs> or like, Sure, sure. <laughs> you know, it's like... Generally, like if they're good at their job, I'm caught up in the story and enjoying the moving images and sounds that I'm that are presenting themselves to me. Yeah. And so like while watching Repulsion, I wasn't thinking about Roman Polanski. Honestly, I was kind of just caught up in this Carol character. Yeah. And I wasn't even thinking like, oh, that's a cool director. Once in a while, I guess I was. I don't know. Like I was I was able to. And we talk about directors all the time on the show. But like. I wasn't really thinking about it in those terms for some reason. I was just so interested in the movie itself. It isn't really interesting, like crafted movie. Like it, it feels different than other movies from what was this? 66, uh, 65. I thought 65. Okay. Five years after psycho. Yeah. I mean, and this definitely kind of like lives in the shadow of psycho a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, but a different kind of thriller, for sure. Yeah, while I, I, I was watching it, and I'm like, you can see the influence of Hitchcock here, but it's not a obvious influence, I don't sure. think. yeah. It's just sort of like the way that the camera follows Carol around. Carol, of course, Catherine Deneuve. Yeah, and her first role. Oh, this is her first. Yeah. She looks young. She looks hot. <laughs> Yeah, she looks like a model. She's a bombshell here. Like, whew. I'd seen this movie before. I'd forgotten that it was in English. For some reason in my head, I remembered it being a French film. Yeah, actually, same here. I mean, some of the characters, like, break into French sometimes. E- like, for, to, like, two or three lines, like, they'll say something in French. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm just so fluent in it that I didn't <laughs> notice. Uh, you Francophile. <laughs> But, yeah, for, I thought the whole movie was in French, and, yeah, it's definitely not. Mm-hmm. I liked it better on second viewing. I have seen it before myself. Well, like, one of the things about this podcast is that, like, sometimes I just want to rewatch a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, like, what better excuse than to bring it on here and talk about it? And I didn't really see what the big deal about the movie was the first time I saw it. I was like, oh, yeah, crazy lady. The end. Yeah. But it's, like, now, and with much more information regarding trauma and just the way women move through the world. I got a lot more out of it this Mm -hmm. time. It's weird to see her go through her day and be, something's obviously wrong with Carol. (laughs) We need to talk about Carol, (laughs) but no one seems to really want to help her. Well, like sometimes I I think I was like, were things like uh, self care and mental health, like inventions of, of the 21st century, like, since Britney Spears had her breakdown, is that when we started oh, okay. using these yeah, words? Because yeah. she seems to have some sort of dissociative disorder, like borderline personality or schizophrenia or something. Because it's like, you know, especially like later in the movie when like she's left home alone and stuff like that. I can't seem to find my toothbrush, so I'll pick one up when I go out today. Other than that, I'm in good shape. Ah! 
It's just like you can tell that like she's disconnecting from reality. Yeah, you know what this movie reminded me of? Clean Shaven. Oh, totally, totally. And uh, way back season two, I'm watching it this time. I was like, oh, she's having a schizophrenic episode. And you know what tipped me off? The rabbit. The rabbit? Oh, yeah. The, the, the rabbit stew. Yeah. So she like, she's got it on the platter. The phone ring. We see it's whole. The phone rings. She answers the phone. The, the platter's out of frame. Drops it down. And suddenly, like, pieces of it are missing. It's like, that's a clue that, like, something's wrong. Like, something's... She's not perceiving something correctly. Yeah. And so, like, that's your clue right there. It's like, oh, she's she's having a break. Like, she's having some sort of schizophrenic break with reality. Yeah, see, I saw, like, uh, uh, we need to talk about Kevin all over this. Because, like, in that, there's kind of this recurring theme that, like, problems aren't being addressed, so they get worse. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you know, the kid slams the, the jelly sandwich or whatever on the table and then, like, flash forward or scene or two, and, like, it's still there, but, like, ants are crawling all over it. Uh-huh. And it's, like, here, like, the rabbit gets left out and starts, like, attracting flies for days. There's the potatoes that, like, are getting, like, wrinkly with eyes all over them. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, it, 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 like, it's this good visual cue to, like, things are getting worse, not better. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Something wrong is, is happening in this apartment. Mm-hmm. She says at one point, she's like, oh, I've got to get that crack fixed in the kitchen. And uh, she doesn't, and the cracks get worse. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, crack, obvious metaphor. I mean. There's a couple times in this where I feel like Roman Polanski really does, like, I guess, uh, idea editing. I don't know what to call it, where there's sort of an image in your head, and then it cuts to something that has a similar image, I feel. Like, mm. early on when Carol's, like, getting ready to shave her legs. Okay. And she, like, uh, and it's when she, like, notices the razor blade and, like, the toothbrush in her glass. But it's, like, she's got her leg up on the sink, and, like, the water's running, and she's, like, getting ready to lather it up. And then she kind of focuses in on, like, the cup that has the razor blade in it. And so it's, like, you have these, like, images of, like, shaving legs, and then it cuts to the sister peeling potatoes. Oh, right, okay. Um, And there was just a couple other points like that where it's, like, she would, like, look at the crack, like, in the vent in the wall, and then it would cut to her, like, breaking a cracker. Right. I saw that, too. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. So, there, yeah, there was just a couple times like that where it was just, like, the scene would end with a specific idea and then jump to something, like, a similar idea. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, a lot of times with editing, you, like, you try and, like, cut on motion, like, people doing a move or or, or doing something or to, like, make a seamless cut. But it, it seemed like here there was, like, these cuts of, like, mental images that might be going through like uh the viewer's mind a little bit i like that and i i don't it gave the movie sort of a both jarring feel because like the cuts were sometimes like abrupt and going to something totally different but because like there was a similar idea between the two scenes it sort of stitched it together for yeah you. yeah there's like a psychological unraveling that we're seeing going on, but it takes its time getting to it. Like it's a, it's a slow burn. A little too slow if you ask me. Oh yeah. I mean, it was like a solid hour I feel before things got where they needed to get going. Yeah. But you need that. I mean, you need that time to sort of build up the fact that something's wrong with Carol and that, uh, maybe she shouldn't be left alone. <laughs> Should not be left alone. Boy, the so the men in this movie terrible 
little pushy. Yeah, her, the, her boyfriend's maybe okay, but the rest of them, get out of here. I, I hated her. Was it her sister she was living with? Yeah. Her sister's boyfriend was the worst. The worst. worst. <laughs> the worst. I hated him. Like, just he, the like, way grabbed that, like, her cheek and stuff. Yeah, he, like, infantilizes her. And then, I, I, I mean, maybe this is just me, but it's like, the sister's going to make, like, rabbit stew for oh dinner. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he comes home, like, early, without warning, and he's like, let's go out to eat. And she's like, well, I already have this, like, rabbit. And she's like, you've already seen her put flour on the damn thing. It takes at least one hour. Huh? Your rabbit. I'm cooking it. Look, bring to the boil, skim, and allow it to simmer slowly for one and a half hours. Yes, well, we'll eat out tonight. I'll take you out. No. <laughs> I she She's this. been preparing. And this is a fucking whole hair here. This is our introduction to the guy. He, he just immediately, like, I don't like this guy. Like, it, him not being likable doesn't really play into the movie at all, but it's just like... Well, no, I think it's very important. Oh, do you? Yeah, because I think, maybe I'm uh, tipping my hand too much, the rape scenes that happen later in the movie are memory recalls. I think she was abused as a child, and so, like, what she's seeing in these men, that's why she can't stand them. Like, she's, like, repulsed. Hey, that's the name of the show. By just men mm-hmm. because they always be raping her <laughs> yeah but do you ever get the idea that that the sister's boyfriend raped her no i think it was like a family member that's why it, it's it ends on that photo i think it was like oh. her, her dad or something flashbacks of woody allen um but uh and you think that that this shitty boyfriend and like the way that he infantilizes her just triggers these yeah i think it kind of like stirs something up and uh she just doesn't want to take it anymore from anybody even the nice guy which i don't know he was a little pushy with the making out he was a little pushy he also like i i granted i'd be frustrated too because it's like they had a date and then like she's over an hour late and he like storms out and finds her I'd be like, I'd be a little pissed too. Like yeah. That, like, especially if you're genuinely hungry and like you're waiting for someone like, you know. And you've been drinking. You know, he, he's not entitled necessarily to sex, but like the man deserves a bite. Like, yeah, he's literally not eating because he's waiting for you. I know. But then also like he can't look past his own shit to realize like, oh, my girlfriend's going through something. Like, is it know. is it his girlfriend proper? I thought they were just trying to like go on like a first or second date i don't know it seems like they've been seeing each other for a little while at least to me i don't know but i don't know what gave me that impression but yeah he's also like trying to take her away from her lunch and like she's already ordered the food and he's like come on let's go get food somewhere else and like i don't know like they're all pushy and i don't like any of the men in this (laughs) yeah and he's got like like, i'm sorry the, the the um sister boyfriend he leaves his razor in her glass yeah her toothbrush glass like that's fucking disgusting she puts her toothbrush in that glass and uses that glass to like rinse rinse her mouth out and he's putting this thing that he shaves his face with in there and his toothbrush in there yeah not cool dude not cool yeah because like at one point she gets fed up and like throws it in the trash i would be repulsed too (laughs) and i mean the sister and the boyfriend were kind of shitty in other ways like the sisters seemed fine but they were late on rent 
And she's like, we'll have it tomorrow. We'll have it tomorrow. I'm like, why don't you just pay the man today? Yeah. And when she's like, money, money, money. That's all he ever thinks about. I'm like, he's your landlord. <laughs> <laughs> Literally all your like interactions probably surround like rent or like who's going to pay for like the problem in yeah. the apartment. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, he always thinks of money because... I was thinking, like, what fantasy land is she from where it's like, oh, let's talk about uh, something else. Uh, or, or, like, don't worry about it. You 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 can get it next time. Like, yeah. I don't know any landlords like that. No. Yeah, it's just like, you know, they're going to leave the money with Carol to pay the rent. I'm like, why don't you leave the money with the landlord? I was like, this is asking for trouble. Like, she's already, like gonna have a break and now you want a strange man to be coming around asking for money yeah i don't think we should be putting responsibilities on carol carol doesn't seem very responsible Mm-mm. i think she's got she's got kind of something the opposite going on of that actually <laughs> it it like while watching like i don't have any siblings but it's like people i know who have siblings are always like yeah we're always worried to leave that one alone oh, <laughs> like my. in the house yeah like like people who come from like big families are like sibling was always a little off i was the black sheep and i'm like carol was the black sheep of this family (laughs) yeah but i think it was because she was raped as a child or sexually abused and uh it caused uh, a lot of issues that she never dealt with so at that that picture at the very end do we see what the father looked like well she's looking at an older man everyone else in that in the picture is looking at the camera and she's not she's looking at a, a guy and i don't know who they are in relationship to her but i'm assuming that that's the person who molested her oh and i don't know so and i also don't know because she gets arred three times in the movie well i think they're all in her head well two of them really are probably in her head like when she like pulls back the covers and there's a guy there like yeah she gets attempted ard IRL. Yeah, I was yeah, I, I think the one by the landlord. Right. That 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 really happened. That yeah. really happened, yeah. Um but those other two and I think that the clue we have clues to that too because the soundtrack by the way, good sound design in this movie. For a nineteen sixty five movie, I was impressed. Okay. She's picturing this guy breaking into her place with the um, bureau against the, the door. Mm-hmm. But we don't hear any of that. We just hear the ticking of the clock. And it's like, oh, so that tells me that this isn't really happening because her brain is hearing the ticking. Like, maybe this is what she's seeing with her eyes closed. Okay. Almost. Like, we're we're in her mind in that moment. Okay. But we can still hear the ticking because that's what's going on IRL. And the same thing happens the second time, too, where you don't hear the screams or see anything. It's like there's something else going on in the background. Um, But uh, those are my clues for that. Okay. Okay. A, this movie was scarier than I remember. Like, I remember when I watched it initially, like, I, I kind of had your reaction. I'm like, oh, that was good, but, you know, not, like, the cult classic that, like, I would kind of, like, heard that it, it was. Yeah. But watching it this time, I don't know, it seemed a little bit more subtle. Like, A, like, I have to use this word. There's a verisimilitude to this movie. <laughs> Uh, like you mean when the hands come out of the wall? <laughs> no, I it, get that all the time. It just feels like they're in a real apartment, like they're not on a set. That they're oh, yeah. in a real mm-hmm. apartment, and just some of the close-ups, like what is she looking at? Like the her reflection, like a tea kettle or right. something. Yeah, and the camera's just like right up there. And I'm like, how is the camera not reflecting in this kettle too? Oh yeah. Part of this kind of remind me of uh, 
like I just saw all sort of like psychological horror movies in this because like there was even a part where I thought of uh, Safe. Me too. Like the camera's set up, it's stationary, and you see the sister doing something in the kitchen, like on the on like the side of the frame, and it reminded me of Safe when I don't remember Julianne Moore's name in that movie. Um, Carol, isn't it? So and then Carol again in Carol. Hmm, I think so. Actually, Carol was in both. That can't be right. <laughs> Carol. <laughs> I knew it. All right. Third movie with a lady named Carol. Maybe more. Uh, but the sister's at, uh, in like the, the, the edge of the frame. And it reminded me of an, in Safe when Carol like comes home. And she like, you see her like in the back of the shot, like the background and she seems to be moving around the edges of the frame, but, and she's oh, never yeah. in the center. It's like a buildup to that. And this, it's like the sister's off there, and then Carol come like walks out of her room, and then the camera moves and follows her down the hallway. Right. And I don't know. It felt a. It felt like very handheld, like for the camera to be like that spry and be able to like move behind Carol as she like walk down the hallway. But just like having because it it was stationary for so long, and having the sister just like in the corner of the screen doing stuff reminded me of safe. Yeah. I was feeling it when um, nobody knew how to help her mm. or like no one, it, this is a woman who's going through something. No one really wanted to deal with her either. It was all just sort of like, here, take the day off work, get some rest and then come back. But like no one's really that invested in helping her. Not even like her sister isn't even either. Yeah, she's just sort fucking of a holiday. Yeah. She's like, I got to get out of here. I got to get some D in Pisa. She's getting D all over the place know, though. Like question. Unless you think Carol was just imagining it when she, no, I think like sex bothers her. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, I only heard her sister. Like, oh. Was her oh. sister having a, Flicking the old bean? Yeah. <laughs> having a wild time by herself? Because I didn't hear any man voices. Or is he just super silent? He, yeah. I, I, I maybe. Need... Maybe he was eating that puss. Oh. And. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Maybe that's what's going on. It, it, maybe that's his one redeeming factor is that he shut up and eat that puss. Yeah. Okay, maybe we were we, we, we rushed to judgment on him. Doesn't seem so bad now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that makes him like if he's using that glass that she's using too. <laughs> that's not cool, dude. That's her sister. You just worried that's got his sister's vagina residue yeah. all over the glass. Oh, not cool. Also, yeah, just get another glass, guy. <laughs> yeah, so so she hears. She's got like this the sex noises. There's the bells of the of the nuns playing basketball. I think that's what they were doing. I couldn't tell. But like there's a lot of like intrusive noise coming in on Carol. And um as somebody who used to live in a very noisy apartment uh in the international district, they were doing construction right outside my apartment for weeks and they would start at 7 in the morning Ooh. and I worked a job that made me stay up until like two in the morning. So I was not getting a lot of sleep 
because the jackhammering started right away, I was coming in close on having a mental breakdown at that time. So it's like I kind of feel for her with like intrusive noises kind of fucking with your brain. I'm super sensitive to noises like that. Like one of the things I very much enjoy about living alone is that like after like day of work or, or out and about, like coming home and like sitting in silence for a little while, like really is very satisfying to me. And as someone who used to have a very noisy boyfriend, silence for a little bit, I, I cherish it. Mm-hmm. She needs some quiet time. Although I don't know when she gets her quiet time. Yeah, that seems to make matters worse. Hmm. I don't know. Curious, uh, how do you solve a problem like Carol? <laughs> God. Did you notice in this movie there is uh, one of your favorite things? <gasps> a wipe? Yeah. When? <laughs> sort of a, a, a matching transition shot. Like they're on the street and a truck drives by. Yes. And as it drives by, it like does a wipe. Oh, <laughs> I love it. See? You just, once in a while. But I mean, that was it was so smooth because it was timed with the truck mm-hmm. that like you wouldn't notice it necessarily. Yeah. But yeah. That's how the uh, one in Parasite is too. It's one of those. Oh, okay. Like okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Keep those wipes, people. <laughs> I love them. Psychological thriller getting a wipe. Uh. Um, we talked about this, the sound design. We talked about the shitty men. Did we talk about the soundtrack? Uh, oh no! He yeah, loves his jazzy soundtracks. Oh, I, I kind of like it in this. It, it oh, really, like I think it's great. It also kind of makes it like having a jazz soundtrack, especially for like, you know, when you watch this is very a, frenetic jazz too. Yeah, and it's like when you, when you watch enough movies from like 1965, you kind of get a feel. You're like I know how this is gonna look. I know how this is gonna sound. And like the jazz soundtrack makes it sound like a different type of movie mm-hmm. not that like this was the first movie to use jazz as a soundtrack but i don't know just makes it feel different it jangles your nerves when it comes in too there's a moment and this is classic horror movie trope <laughs> where she closes a, a mirror oh and yeah you see someone as the mirror closes and that was the first time that there's like a stinger when it happens going back to the the rabbit scene i was mentioning earlier when she had it and it's this whole, and then like in what is perceived to be the same time, we see it the second time and it's not. Like in a lesser like horror movie of today, you'd get a stinger there. You'd get mm. some sort of like, um, like we would, like something in the music would tell us what to feel. He doesn't do that here, which is nice. But then later it happens in the mirror scene. But that's, I, I actually don't hate it that time because it's called for then. Like, mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know. It's it's used sparingly, I would say. And when it's there, it's there to kind of like rattle your nerves. Yeah, and like, well, because you know, when when you use that sort of stuff too much, you get numb to it a little bit. And so here, it's like, yeah, that scene with the mirror, like, I it got a little startle out of me. Mm-hmm. Same with when she pulled the covers back to like see the rapist. Like, I wasn't expecting that, and yeah. so. Like, when that happened, that kind of startled me a little bit, too. And then, like, really as she's, like, going into the mouth of madness there at the end, I was like, this movie has really successfully created a mood here. Like, this, I feel like this is how going crazy would look. Like, when she's pushing her hand into the wall. I'm like... Silly putty walls? Yeah, I'm like, you know, if the lights were dim and 
if I wasn't in the right state of mind, I could see how you would look at where your hand was at the wall and think that you had made like an impression or left a mark or something. Sure. And then, yeah, all those hands coming out. Grabbing her. That was the main thing I, I remember from the first time watching this was like, oh, hands in the wall. Yeah, I must have been super drunk. I didn't really remember much of that. Oh, yeah. It's good. I mean, I remember it being a little scarier than this time. And it's a cool effect, but I'm not going to say it's really done well. You can see, like, the plaster around where the hands are. Oh, sure, sure. But it's effective. Yeah. I I mean, one, this movie looks pretty super low budge. Apparently it was. Uh, It was uh, produced by a porn studio. Oh, was it? Uh Uh-huh. Because a lot of this feels like all the money went into, like, the directing, I feel. Like, they didn't have a lot of money left over for anything else. Yeah. Including things like makeup or effects. Because there's just a lot of interesting shots, and I'm like, I can't imagine that they got this on, like, take one. And film was so expensive back then that it's like, boy, three, four takes of this, that's going to eat into their budget. There's some long takes, and, you know, that doesn't leave a lot of room for error when you do these long shots. Yeah, like that one where she walks by the car accident. Oh, was that a long one? That's a one or yeah, I okay. think. I'm pretty sure. Because I know when the landlord comes in, that's essentially a one or up until, like, when he assaults her. Oh, wow. Uh, and, like, the camera's, like, she's sitting on the couch, and, like, he's walking behind her. But, like, camera, like, goes in from, like, sort of, like, a... I don't want to say wide, but like up to like a close up and like back out and then like to the other side as he's talking on the other side. Can we talk a sec about that scene? Yeah. So she pulls the razor out and cuts him on the back of the neck. And that is almost more like squiggy to me than like grabbing, going from the front of the throat. Oh, Something yeah. about like maybe severing like a spinal thing that really like sends my nerves on it. Yeah, I feel like your skin's a little bit more sensitive. Like, I can, like, jiggle the skin on the front of my neck. I can't... Pinching the back of my neck's just painful. Yeah, and that's one of those things where it's like, you'll feel it, and then you're like, what happened? And then you'll feel the pain. Like, I don't know, and you can't see, you don't know how bad it is. Like, I liked that whole... murder. <laughs> like, gets him on the back, neck. he turns around, she just starts slashing away, and then she, he, like, gets buried on the floor and she like turns the couch over on him yeah like, it's just it looks it's really cool it's she's really not gross. very good at covering up her crimes <laughs> no because like she kills her her boyfriend or whatever because like he breaks in the door like maybe that was romantic in 1965 but i was just like cool it guy dude she doesn't want to see you you've been friend zone deal with it <laughs> but she clobbers him and then I couldn't remember, because it's been 10, 15 years since I've seen this. I was like, does he die? Or is it just, is he just knocked unconscious? And then she, like, puts him in the bathtub. I'm like, oh, no, he dead. But I was like, bathtub full of water? Like, who do you think you're hiding this from? Also, she doesn't really seem to have a concept of rotting meat, because that rabbit's just sitting out. Oh, sure. Getting grosser. Yeah. Also, like... As someone who, like, literally made a rabbit stew not too long ago... (laughs) You mentioned it on the podcast. I did. At least the cadaver that I got, the rabbit carcass, did not have a head on it. That head is a game changer when it comes to making meat or or cooking with meat. Like, 
if the rabbit carcass I got had a face on it, I think it'd be a different story. Well, we wanted to talk about the uh, razor blade scene. Did you? Or the no, that was it. Just that yeah. I liked it. Yeah, that she cuts him on the back of the neck, and then that she like rolls the couch over on him. I like that scene because like there's this implication of rape in that scene well before he really does anything creepy yeah it's just by like the blocking and him looking so overpowering over how mousy Catherine Deneuve is acting where you're just like uh oh yeah there's a power dynamic here that I don't like <laughs> this isn't gonna go well uh also yeah the uh sound design is good in that too like right when she starts to kill him that's when the bells at the nunnery are going off oh okay and um i liked that uh juxtaposition because it's like um something about you know nuns are chaste and like don't have sex um something about that you know next to like her having sexual issues and like being bothered by sex I don't have a fully formed thought on that, but I like that sort of like something about that juxtaposition works for me. Okay. I, I didn't pick up like the, the incest rape stuff, but that's very on brand for Polanski. Uh, cause like in Chinatown, <clears throat> it's just my theory. I don't, I, I didn't read anybody I, else. I mean, it makes a lot of sense though. Cause like, uh, I mean, one Polanski kind of likes that stuff. Cause it, like that, he added that to Chinatown. Like the incest <laughs> rape thing wasn't part of the original script. You know what this movie needs. <laughs> A little, little bit of incest rape. Yeah. Can we get a child raped in this movie? <laughs> Just asking. How can we get a child raped in this movie? Hmm. Yeah, he, he's he got a type. He, he, yeah. he has a fascination with that sort of stuff. Yeah. So, no, I, I, I think that read is right. I was a little tired by the time the movie ended. I don't think I was really putting that picture into, like, the greater context mm. of the movie. And doesn't exonerate her murder, <laughs> murders, by any means but it's like i don't know we both watched revenge the movie mm, uh, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like no oh, those guys had it coming yeah it's like the landlord yeah maybe kind of had it coming um like maybe not death but yeah uh she should at least like kick him in the nuts or something i was gonna say what did dolly parton say in nine to five i can turn you from a rooster to a chicken in one shot yeah so I, yeah i don't know like I, i'm not gonna say like her troubled past justifies it but it like it really explains where she's coming from and i had a lot more sympathy for her this view oh really yeah first time through it was definitely like oh yeah she craig Mm -hmm." (laughs) but like this time it's like oh i kind of understand why she's kind of driven to this point because no one will fucking help her and b she has undealt with trauma yeah yeah that's true i don't think i picked up on any of the trauma stuff the first time Maybe I just wasn't sensitive to it, but now it's like some sort of mental illness, like source unknown potentially, but it's just, especially like her at work when she's doing like the cuticle stuff, Yeah, uh, which is another thing that I didn't remember, but it was like, it shows her like cutting the cuticles on that lady. uh, And then it like cuts to the lady's face as she's just like peacefully getting this (laughs) manicure. And then she screams and I'm like, oh, way to like pick one of like the worst feelings in the world like just like the most tender part of your finger i'm just piecing this together now there's that one lady who is comforting carol's co-worker and she's like there's only one way to deal with men that's treat them as though you don't give a damn about them 
I've told you all this before. Still, I'm glad to see you have listened to me just this once. There's only one thing they want, and I'll never know why they make such a fuss about it. But they do. And the more you make them beg for it, the happier they are. That's sort of what Carol's doing with her boyfriend. She's just like, leave me alone. Like, I don't like you. Oh. And it has the effect that the um, patron was saying, because he came back. He, like, knocked down the door. Yeah, you want it even worse. Yeah. Yeah. So, can't win. (laughs) With men, apparently. Watching it this time was fun because, I don't know, uh, it's always fun to see a movie that, like, has strands into modern movies. Yeah. Oh, I saw lots of modern movies in this. Yeah, so, and, and you know, Roman Polanski, his stock being so low, I think people aren't quick to praise him. But it's like, I don't know, I just saw so much, like, modern psychological horror in this black swan oh yeah absolutely i couldn't watch this movie without being like oh well that's where he got (laughs) a lot of the ideas for that hundo p uh yeah there was another one too where i was like oh my god this person couldn't have made this movie without this i mean safe and and uh there's something about kevin of course like we both see strands in that but and i mean you know part of it might just be low-hanging fruit but i also think that I mean, this is just a a vein that Polanski knows how to do real well. Like, he returned to this sort of stuff and, like, did it real well. Mm -hmm. Watching this, I'm like, this is obviously the same director as Rosemary's Baby. The same style, the same sort of verite, like, handheld. It takes place in an apartment. Yeah, it takes place in an apartment. Roman Polanski's also got that movie called The Tenant about someone going crazy right. in an apartment. Apparently, that's his uh, apartment trilogy, is these three movies. So, oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. I've, I've never heard of it before. I read uh, about this, but yeah. Tenant's very, uh, the Tenant's very good. I'd recommend that one, too. Okay. But uh, he's got, like, a defined style. I like his early movies, too. Like, if you ever get a chance to see either Cul-de-Sac or Knife in the Water. Oh, I love Knife in the Water, yeah. Yeah, I'd recommend Which either Which is what Dead movies. Calm is based on. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. I mean... I think in Knife in the Water, they're not, like, so far out to sea. I feel like they no, go No, they're in, like, land. a river or something. Yeah. Yeah. But, I don't know. He just made these, like, really scrappy, interesting movies in, like, the early 60s. I don't know. It's like he, he's got a pretty well-defined style at this point. And, I don't know. It feels like an interesting one. I mean, it's undeniable that the movie's good. And that it influenced so many people. And this is sort of why I feel like you can't just say, oh he did something horrible we have to discount everything he's done Mm because you just can't Mm -hmm. you really can't um you could acknowledge that he did the horrible thing and then acknowledge or and then analyze his work on the other hand and i think that's okay i think we can have adult conversations about this and not just resort to he's canceled and done forever we can't talk about it So why did you choose Repulsion over, say, Ghost Rider, a movie I know that you hold some esteem for? This was just one that was sticking uh, in your head a little bit? Yeah, I think it's... I don't hear a ton of people talk about this movie. Okay. Also, I've been wanting to revisit it, and um, it just seemed like it was aligned with a lot of the themes in, uh, that we like to talk about, like women's issues <laughs> and problematic directors. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, it just seemed like it'd be a, a meaty, meaty subject matter. Um, Not like that rabbit which seemed gamey uh yeah rabbit's very gamey mm-hmm. um 
But like, you know, we could have just powered through with Sicario and done Repulsion for your next pick. That's true. Why? Why were you like? I need Repulsion now. I was just feeling it. Yeah. I wasn't feeling Sicario. I felt like Repulsion. Okay. Because yeah, you don't do this very often. At least to my current memory is that you've never gotten to the line of scrimmage, didn't like the call, and changed the play. Yeah, I don't know. It was uh, it just something inside. I was just listening to my inner voice, and it's the one that said, and it said, you should do this one. I don't know. It just, uh, something about it spoke to me. So Okay, okay. Cool, yeah. cool, 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 cool. It's good that we, we dipped our toes into the, the problematic. We, we, we put our knife into to Roman Polanski's uh, waters. Uh, troubling waters. Mm-hmm. And came back repulsed. <laughs> so... Yeah. Uh, but no, this is a good movie, and if uh, you can stomach it, I say check it out. Yeah, it's a good one. I like it. I like it. Well, moving forward, hopefully we did that tactfully. What would you like to talk about next week? Well, you know, in my continuing saga to just knock them out of the park, like get these important ones under my belt, this will probably be the episode closest to 420 that we ever do hey uh or at least in the in the near future <laughs> we don't have any more april 20ths this year <laughs> so uh this episode's coming out on the 19th oh, okay. so that's that's as close as we're gonna get so i want to do a movie by a preeminent stoner director oh uh and i want to do one that's about drugs okay so i want to do a Scanner Darkly. Ah, okay. By uh, uh, probably uh, cis-hetero white man's greatest champion, Richard Linkletter. Cool, 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 cool. So I haven't seen this movie in a number of years, probably six or seven years at this point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, it just felt like a good druggy one to, right. to tackle for 420, man. <laughs> But it's a uh, rotoscope, there's drugs, there's people paranoid talking about drugs. I'm like, what better way to celebrate 420 than to just get stoned? We should and take drugs to talk about it. I, you know, I was thinking about it. I'm <laughs> like, maybe this should be the one episode where we both get blazed. <laughs> Try. I tend, to, I tend to turn inwards when I'm high. I do too. That's why I don't get stoned <laughs> for these things. But uh, maybe we'll just like power through it. Okay, okay. I'll think about it. I'll think about it. All right. Well, I'll spark that spliff if you will. All right. All right. Um, well, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, do, do you care to plug our junk then and um, get the fuck out of here? Uh, yes, please. Ladies and gentlemen and everything in between, we have a Patreon. If you would like to subscribe and get extra bonus content and support us monetarily, that is the best way to do it. Head on over to patreon.com slash movies, sign up for a tier, and you'll get access to a buttload of bonus content at this point. The best free way to support us, of course, is to leave us love wherever you get this podcast, your Apple podcast, your Stitchers, your Overcast, wherever. Uh, uh, your bathroom stalls. Sure. Why not? Uh, Just yeah. let us know where it is or send a picture. <laughs> and yeah. uh, if, if you do do that and you need to find so out doo-doo. <laughs> and you want to know where to send that picture, you can reach out and touch us. Reach out, touch us on Twitter 
at X-Rated Movies, on Facebook at Rated X Movies, at our email, which is x.rated.movies at gmail.com, or go to our website, xratedmovies.com, which has all that information for how to contact us on it. Good job. All right. Well, cool, cool, cool. Uh, next week we'll get all stoned, maybe, for a scanner darkly, man. <laughs> all right. Until next week, keep reaching for that rainbow. Bye.